Welcome into another episode of the Mile High Bourbon and Rye podcast, a Colorado craft podcast. My name is Zach. As always, I am your host today, and I have a very cool guest. His name is Evan Klump, and if you followed the Nuggets run to a championship recently, you may have seen some information about him on the news online. He traded a bottle of Old Rip Van Winkle for a ticket to the first game of the NBA Finals. Evan, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Zach, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So, uh, first thing, I mean, having a bottle of Old Rip Van Winkle 10 is not exactly an easy thing to do. I'm guessing you're kind of a whiskey collector, whiskey aficionado kind of guy? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, you know, getting into whiskey was, was something I did, you know, just growing up with friends. Uh, around bonfires growing up in the south everybody was drinking whiskey whiskey was what you drank when you hung out with people um and so as i got older i kind of really understood the value of you know classier bottles more and started collecting uh just with a group of buddies of mine they were really into it nice that's awesome yeah getting some of the nicer bottles starting off with some of the bottom shelf yeah easiest to get your hands on and then getting into some of the nicer ones you can really kind of start to appreciate all that that has so um being as you collect so far what's been your favorite bottle you've managed to get your hands on um i'm really attracted to anything buffalo trace really anything that comes out of that distillery i think is just fantastic um i find myself leaning more towards weeded bourbons i think we talked about before um anything from the weller line i love anytime i see that on the shelf i grab it just because it's hard to find and it's just so good to me um Love that stuff. Eagle Rare is also a great bottle. Um, I always find myself just going back to Buffalo Trace. Fair enough. I mean, there's a reason they're as big as they are. It's yeah. <laughs> it's not a fluke. Um, the Weller is one that I actually have been a big fan of too. That weeded style is a style that I I definitely very much appreciate. Yeah, it's it's sweeter. I feel like it's easier to drink at higher proof. Um, for me, anyways, and just the flavor profile is like right on point for me. Awesome. Well. Uh, as you said before the episode started, you just moved up to Colorado this year. What prompted you to move into into this state? Um, you know, again, growing up, I, I've been with my, my wife now for, we just got married last year for seven years, and we just kept finding ourselves coming back to this place, Colorado. We'd come here to ski, uh, come here to just explore, come here for concerts, stuff like that. And so Denver's just been a place that I've always kind of envisioned myself living uh, coming from the south, you know, I grew up kind of in a small town close to the beach, um, went to high school and then eventually went to college in, in Alabama as well, over in Birmingham. And so, you know, once I graduated, we stayed in Birmingham for a while. And it was just kind of the thing where, you know, we had jobs, we had the ability to kind of go where we wanted to go at that point in our lives, which was just recently. And, um, we were like, hey, why not move to Denver? We have friends here. We know people that have moved here as well. So we kind of just made the leap and haven't looked back. Nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah. it's a heck of a good state to move to. And uh, we'll kind of jump into – you uh, touched on this prior to the podcast as we were talking, but if you want to kind of let people know, you know, growing up in Alabama, how did you become a, a Nuggets fan to the point where you're making that trade for a for a ticket to game one? Yeah, so like I was telling you earlier um, – you know, growing up in the South, football is like the sport that everybody's playing. 
Uh, basketball is, is not so big down there. You know, especially in Alabama, college football is a huge thing. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, yeah, roll tide, right? <laughs> and um, just growing up, I was always attract, more attracted to basketball. I was always like a taller kid. And um, when I started playing as a kid, I just loved it much more than any other sport. So I grew up playing it. I played a couple years in high school. And growing up as a kid, everybody, especially down south, was a LeBron fan. Just because, you know, we didn't, the only NBA teams we had down there were, you know, the Hawks and the Pelicans over New Orleans. And so there wasn't really that big superstar down south. And yep. so naturally everyone just kind of gravitated towards LeBron. And when LeBron was drafted with Melo, I remember thinking as a kid, like, oh, everybody likes LeBron. Well, I'm going to like Melo. So just the nonconformity pushed yeah. you right to that. That yeah, makes sense. <laughs> for sure. And then when he was in Denver, growing up as a kid, I watched him a lot playing Denver. Um, so the Nuggets have always kind of had like a special place in my heart just because of that. And then, you know, getting the opportunity to move here uh, in the middle of the season, having the run that they were having, it was, you know, I was going to games every chance I got. That's awesome. Did you get a uh, season ticket membership or are you just trying to find them as you could go? Uh, yeah. I mean, just through like kind of like with the trade I made uh, through Facebook groups and just kind of picking up tickets from people who were selling them, that kind of thing. That's uh, awesome. But, yeah, no season tickets yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're selling out quick <laughs> from what I hear. So if there's any still available, it might be worth it jumping on that. Um, so obviously – Kind of exciting to move into Colorado during a championship run for a team that you've rooted for for a while. How did you end up trading a bottle of Pappy, of Old Rip Tenure, for a single ticket to the Game 1 of the Finals? Yeah, so it was it was an idea I had. It, started, it was a joke, really. It started off as a joke. I just made the post, and, you know, I got the idea. Just I mainly got the idea because I'm in other uh, bourbon trading groups on Facebook, and you'll see crazy trades all the time for random stuff. Uh, people trading a bottle for this or for that. And so that's kind of what gave me the idea. But then, you know, posting it in a specific, like, ticket trade group, I was like, this is just kind of a joke. We'll see. We'll, we'll throw out the line and see if anybody, you know, takes it. And sure enough, to my surprise, I actually got a couple responses on it. Um, and the guy I ended up trading with was he was an older gentleman and uh, – he was, you know, it seemed like even more into bourbon than I was. Yeah. Um, and so he had a ticket, and I, you know, couldn't help but make the trade just because it's the NBA Finals. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to be worth it to make that trade for the first ever NBA Finals game in Denver. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it was game one, too, which yep. was, I mean, you know, that's history. All right, so I was not able to make it to a single one of the playoff games for the Nuggets, unfortunately. How was the atmosphere in the building for game one? Oh, it was great. So the, the ticket I had was actually a club-level seat over in the 200s, which okay. is like right in between the upper and the lower. Um, it was a great seat, and, and the people I was sitting next to, I was by myself just because it was the one ticket. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, the, the atmosphere was great, man. I, you know, immediately made friends with the people I was sitting next to. Um, you know, from walking in the front door, I mean, there was just chanting and screaming and – just so much momentum going into that game one, and they played so well. Yeah. So, I mean, it just continued on and on, and the energy just built up and up and up off of itself, basically. Yeah, game one was a heck of a game for the Nuggets. They <laughs> they showed up to – you knew they were serious about the series at the end of game one. Yeah, and, you know, game one in the finals, as you know, it's it's a tone setter. 
Yep. You know, it, it, home court advantage is, is one thing in the playoffs, but once you get to the finals, you know, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but it, it, I feel like home court advantage doesn't have as much of an effect as it, as it normally does in other games when it comes to the finals. And I think with game one, it, you know, you really got to set the tone. And I think Jokic did that. I think Murray did that. Uh, their defense was excellent, was excellent in game one. And uh, I think that really kind of set the spark. Just because and, – and they hadn't played in a while either, right? No, they got – because they swept the Lakers. And then it went to game seven, I think, for Miami and Boston. Yep. So, yeah, the Nuggets got to sit for a little bit. And I know listening to local sports guys, the whole rust versus rest thing starts to come up, that conversation. So, it was cool to see them pop out just – all cylinders firing perfectly for that game. Yeah, they look like they didn't slow down whatsoever. Um, so it was a great game to go to. I'm glad I didn't go to game two because they lost <laughs> that game. Yep. Um, so yeah, with with the trade and it being game one, that was uh, it was I couldn't ask for anything better. Well, I mean, the bottle's hard to get a hold of, but mm-hmm. there's the possibility of grabbing another one of those. There will never be the possibility of going to the very first Denver Nuggets NBA Finals game. So trade had to be worth it yeah and that's what I told myself uh, you know I was like I can always I, you know I, I know people who have bottles I know buddies back home that have you know that have connections that could get me another bottle if I really wanted it if I yeah. really wanted to pay that high price tag for it but yeah I mean it's the NBA finals yep. and for the Nuggets it was you know a historic moment you know not only for the team but for the city uh, so through that whole game, that whole series, what would you say your favorite moment was? Hmm. Besides being a game one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. What was it? What was the coolest thing? Like, obviously, the environment. I'm sure being there was far and away the coolest thing. But is there like one moment in that series, or even just that game, that really like stuck in your mind? Well, when it came down to game five, when they came back to Denver from Miami. Um, I had a feeling that they were going to pull it out and that that was going to be the dagger. So I went downtown and watched game five um, at a bar downtown. Um, I think it was the Thirsty Lion over by Union. Okay. Um, which that atmosphere there was, you know, it didn't come close to being in the stadium, but it was a great atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, just standing around watching the game with people and, and having beers and stuff. But um, after the game was won, we all kind of hit the streets and we paraded around, and so I was able to be a part of that too. That's awesome. Which was really, really cool. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy night for Game Five, so that for sure was like super memorable. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, it's great living in Colorado as a sports fan. Uh, as much as you know, there's no sport, no winning sports active at the moment in the state as the Rockies continue to be the Rockies. Gosh. Um, and the Broncos obviously have a long history of being good, but a short history of being pretty poor. But growing up for myself is Avs and Broncos all the way. So yeah. watching the Avalanche raise the cup last year and then the Nuggets be able to raise the Larry O'Brien this year is a – I mean, it's a heck of a time to be in this area. So For sure. And, and like I said, you know, back home, I, I never really had that connection to a city. Yeah. Sports-wise was just because, you know – all the teams in Birmingham were minor league teams, which is fine. You yeah. know, it's 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 good for the city, but I've never had like a true team that I could root for. Yeah. Um and so being a Nuggets fan is is, you know, slowly getting more and more important to me, I guess. Uh just because it you know, it drives that connection home. 
you know, being in a city where you have a team you can really root for. I haven't been in any hockey games yet. Well, you got to get to uh, an Avs game. Man. I do need to get to an Avs game, and and I was planning on it, but the Nuggets were doing so well, all my money was going towards Nuggets tickets. I mean, that makes sense. And if you're growing up a Nuggets fan, they're on that run. You got to go there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to hockey games. I've been to a couple Rockies games so far, which you know, it is what it is. I mean, the Rockies. I I'll try not to badmouth them too much here on this uh, on this podcast, but the the one thing that the Rockies have going for them that nobody else has at all is that stadium is just gorgeous it it's, is it's a beautiful place to go watch a game it is and i think you get like three dollar cores before first pitch yep which is really nice yeah exactly <laughs> and so i mean they've got that they've got the best bar in denver and it happens to have a baseball team that plays there yep not well all the time but it does have a team that plays there yeah. so yeah and i mean just kind of uh speaking to award-winning culture championship culture in Colorado distilleries in Colorado are not are on the same kind of level I don't know if you've uh how closely you watch kind of the different awards world whiskeys awards the uh San Francisco spirits competition awards any of those do you really pay attention to any of that uh not so much okay not so much as the bottles themselves um but I know you know even before I moved here I'd heard of Colorado whiskey um I'd heard of strand of hands here in Denver and then old elk uh, makes a really good bourbon. Um, and I remember being in stores in Alabama, uh, in ABC stores when they would do their monthly lotteries. And sometimes they'd have like special releases of old elk. And I got a bottle once and it was, it was, I was really impressed. So actually with you saying that Weller is one of your favorites, I would definitely suggest picking up one of the particularly uh, single barrel or at least a cask strength of the old elk weeded bourbon, because I would put it up against the Weller foolproof. Okay. On both bottles that I've been able to sample of the single barrel, the the old elk is phenomenal. I think they're doing an excellent job up there. Yeah, they are, and I think that has to you know that has something to say for maybe the water they use. Don't they use Rocky Mountain water here? Uh, there's a lot that do. Yeah, um, I think the water definitely helps. I think uh, it's not. There's a reason Kentucky's as big in bourbon as it is, and that's because mm-hmm. the limestone water made it perfectly. It's a little bit easier, I think, to kind of get the water exactly the way that you want it without just pulling it directly out of the ground or, you know, relying on it coming directly out of the ground that way now. Right. But I do think the Rocky Mountain water helps a lot. I think that's a, that's definitely a bonus. Um, I actually was able to sit down with and talk to the master distiller for Mile High Spirits downtown. Um, if you haven't been there, they're right off of, like, right by the ballpark, basically. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Park Avenue and, like... 23rd somewhere around there mm-hmm. um so got a chance to sit down with him and i so one thing that's denver's a pretty big transplant city it's a pretty big transplant state here but a lot of whiskey kind of fans like yourself are coming in here and a lot of people who are already in colorado are becoming more and more whiskey fans one thing he said that i think really kind of pushes that home too is everybody's pushing to make a, a really good product because the consumer here is expecting a really good product. They're really thirsty for that top-end type of product. Right. And that drives them to kind of keep pushing that, so. Yeah, it's also so diverse here, too. And to, to comment on the transplant thing, since I've moved here, I don't think I've, I've met a local. You may be, if, if you are local, you may be one of the only locals I've met. Born and raised. I haven't lived. Yeah. Perma- I've spent summers outside of the state, but I've never lived anywhere other than Colorado. Yeah, it is. Yep. yeah. Yeah, you might be the second person <laughs> who's actually from Denver, yeah, in Colorado. Yeah, it, it does seem like most people. I mean, it's not very common to, to find <laughs> us anymore. So, yeah. 
Uh, but so yeah, like I was saying earlier, though the the kind of award winning, all sorts of distilleries across the state are constantly you know mm-hmm. winning different awards across different things. So being a whiskey fan, moving to Colorado, I think you've got yourself in a, a pretty good spot. Um, I know you mentioned the old Elk Bourbons one you like, and we're sitting here at Talnua Distillery today, which I probably should have mentioned mentioned that right at the beginning of the episode. Uh, big thank you to Talnua for hosting us today for this podcast episode. Uh, Irish style whiskey, single pot still is the way that they run it. It is the first single pot still distillery in America and just happened to open up, you know, right here locally for me, right close to my home. So that was exciting. Um, One of the big reasons that they kind of sought me out and I've sought them out is my family's very Irish. Mm -hmm. So like everything I had growing up, I've never been to Ireland, but, you know, I know that that's definitely a big part of For sure. who I am. So finding these guys here was was really cool. So we've got two samples that we're tasting here today. We have their uh, single pot still that is bourbon cask finished. And so this one was 86 proof, three years aged, and then finished with bourbon casks and staves. So as a bourbon fan, I figure this one should at least be, even if you're not a big Irish guy, at least should have some familiar kind of notes and funness for you to it. Yeah, the color's really light on it, which I thought was interesting. But it smells great. It's definitely got a nice sweetness to it. I think the bourbon cast helps that a lot. The So single pot still, I don't know how familiar you are with kind of Irish whiskey style. Um, but it's a blend, well, the distillate is 50% malted, 50% unmalted barley. So you get some of those kind of richer notes. I know you mentioned Stranahan's was a place that you've been, and obviously yeah. that's a malted barley whiskey. Um, so you get kind of some of those notes that are to it, that that malt quality, the chocolate. But it's also got a little bit more of kind of an oily consistency, thanks to the unmalted barley. And then I agree, the, the sweetness that comes at the back end of the with the bourbon cask, it's it complements it very, very well. Yeah, and you can kind of also taste that kind of woody uh, oakiness in it as well, which I'm always a fan of. Um, you can definitely tell it's finished, I yeah. think, uh, but in a good way. Yeah, these guys here have been um, just, I mean, they always host excellent events. They make, in my opinion, really, really great whiskey. Uh, fantastic. The founder owner and his wife spent a lot of time in ireland learning like the entire process top to bottom okay. before they launched everything and so uh, if you find yourself with some time i and he happens to be here he can talk your ear off for sure but it's all fantastic information very cool so when are you going to ireland <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about it i want to get out there as soon as i can um we my wife and i came about this close to eloping and being married at a castle in Ireland Mm -hmm. and then decided that we'd stick around to have family and friends around for it but it was definitely a very close kind of situation so I think she's uh more of a warm climate type of person though so should we should we decide to go to Ireland we'll have to make sure that we take a trip to the Mediterranean immediately afterwards to warm her back up and there's (laughs) nothing wrong with that nope not at all yeah, I was actually, I was supposed to go to Ireland recently too. Um, my dad, he's a big travel travel guy. He goes all over the place. He just retired this year. Um, but he was he was kind of the main person in my life who really got me into travel. 
Nice. Um, it kind of showed me, you know, everything outside of our little bubble in the south. Um, but we had a trip planned for Ireland, and it was right around March of 2020. <laughs> so, Man, that, that's been a common theme. I know yep. lots of people who lost out on some cool stuff yep. due to that that whole COVID situation. Very unfortunate. So any plans to, to go there now? Um, I definitely want to. My my father-in-law, he's uh, my my wife's family. They're uh, Irish descent as well. Okay. They have a, a pretty big Irish background from what I remember. And um, we've always talked about me and him and maybe even my dad doing like a guy's trip out to Ireland. That would be awesome. Um, at some point, because he's, he's a big Guinness guy too. Yep. Loves Guinness and um, been trying to get him into whiskey recently, but... Well, if there's, a, if there's an island to do it, Ireland's got to be the one. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the only other one that I think you could possibly go to and that would match it would be Scotland. And mm-hmm. the Irish and the Scots will go back and forth on who started whiskey. So you can't go wrong with either island. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, this is, this is good stuff, man. Um, I, you know, before we started talking, uh, I didn't even know about this place. Really? Yeah, I had I'd only, only ever really heard about Old Elk which I was in Fort Collins last weekend, um, coincidentally, and walk, I didn't get to go into the distillery, but we walked by it, and I was like, oh, there's Old Elk. Um, but I've only ever been to, to them, seen them, and then uh, actually drank at Stranahan's. I did a tour at Stranahan's. Excellent. Um, which was neat, and did a tasting there as well. But yeah, I didn't even know about this place until um, you started talking about it. And uh, I started looking them up online and stuff, and I'm like, wow, they they look like they've done a lot for yeah. such a small distillery. Yeah, and still relatively new. I mean, I say new, but they've been around for a bunch of years now. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of think about it, and you're like, there's no way it's been that much time. And then you're, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, actually there is. It's been that much time. But uh, they do, like, a phenomenal job. And, again, thank you so much to Talnua for having us out for this because this is absolutely just terrific it's an awesome distillery i'll show you see if i can show you around a little bit more or have one of them show you around a bit after we're done here because it's it's worth checking out and if if patrick happens to be here and able to talk like i said he can he can bend your ear for a while so yeah this place definitely has like a almost like a hometown feel to it yeah uh which i like a lot it's really cool so i mean obviously still relatively new to the state we have close to 100 distilleries if not a hundred or more active distilleries in the state at this point. So uh, if you, I mean, if you like trying different styles of whiskey and, and seeing what there is to offer, I, you can't go wrong. You can basically go anywhere up and down the front range at this point, up into the mountains. There's a whole bunch of distilleries to go to, which yeah. is great. If you like uh, camping, hiking, doing any of that stuff on your way up or back down, you can stop in. Uh, let's see. Salida has Woods High Mountain that I know of for sure. Out on the western slope, you got Woody Creek. You have Deer Hammer and Buena Vista. You've got the Snitching Lady and Fair Play, and that's all you know out in the mountains. Yeah. Just a handful right off the top of my head there. Estes Park has got Elkins Distilling up there. Spring Forty Four has got a distillery up in the mountains. I mean, they're they're all over the place. So, if you're you're looking to kind of try some new styles outside of just the you know the same bourbons, yeah, there's plenty to offer. 
Yeah. Is there any in Crested Butte? I'll be there this weekend. <laughs> uh, I don't know off the top of my head, actually, because I haven't been up there a lot, but I can find out pretty quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll check I'll it out. You know. I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. If I if, if we poke around town, maybe there's maybe there's a distillery hiding out around there. Well, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely love to, to find out because i got to get – I'd love to go up to some more kind of western towns and find some more distilleries out there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting with, with Denver and I guess just with Colorado in general is – beer is such a big thing here yes like there's so many breweries and you know most of the time if you're gonna go out with friends or you know family or whoever if you're gonna go out and drink in Denver you're probably gonna go to a brewery and try the beer just because that's so that's such a big thing right now yeah um and I feel like that might just overshadow the distilleries a little bit especially just in a place like this um and like, I mean, yeah, like I didn't realize when I moved here just how much there was going on distillate-wise. I mean, there's not only a ton of that, but there's also, if you find yourself on the Western Slope, a bunch of wineries too. Mm-hmm. And so you can get, I mean, the reason that I've got the, the Colorado Craft Podcast is because there's so much Colorado Craft. It's, if you enjoy uh, whiskey, beer, wine, uh, it can't be called tequila, but tequila, gin, vodka, if you... Like if there's a drink that you like, it's probably made here in the state. Yeah, that's 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 a really cool thing, man. Um, but I think yeah, I think breweries with them being just such a big thing right now, it's like that's what everybody's focus is on. Yep. Just because it's so trendy right now, you know, going to breweries and, and hanging out. But yeah, people are sleeping on the distilleries. Yeah, I, I mean, and there's Colorado's definitely showing what craft distilleries are capable of. They're they're making a name uh, as a you know. Whiskey collector guy, I'm sure you've heard the name Fred Minnick before. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, he put out his top 100 whiskeys of the year, as he does each year. And last year, I believe they were number 10 of his favorite American whiskeys was Boulder Bourbon, right out of Boulder. So if you head up into uh, just Boulder Spirits, check them out for sure. Because, I mean, if and Fred Minnick even said kind of in his review, like, Keep an eye on Colorado because there's exciting things happening there. So it's getting a – they're making a name for themselves. That's that's fantastic. That's really, really awesome. Good to hear coming from coming from the south. And yeah. I, have, I have family in Kentucky too uh, that we visit quite often. So um, it's good to know. <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean, it's it's really awesome kind of seeing what's happening. And I, I've, I've loved following. I really want to go do like the true bourbon trail in Kentucky yes. just because there's there's no reason not to do it. And I did have the opportunity to visit Buffalo Trace once before, and that was a, a heck of a cool distillery tour. Um, they have, I think, a couple of different tours you can take. We went into one of the rack houses. We, you know, got to walk around a little bit of the facility. It's awesome because when you, like, coming to a distillery here in Colorado, I very much enjoy it. It's great. But there's something that was really cool about opening up the door, and you're just immediately hit with that whiskey aging smell you get the barrels you get the the spirit and everything it's just in the air because of how big it is and so that was definitely a really cool experience yeah that's very cool man and i have no excuse i have have family in louisville i have an aunt and uncle that live there and um we've always talked about doing it yeah Uh, i think from from where we used to live in birmingham it was maybe four three four hour drive and i just i don't know i i I guess it's because i only got into bourbon super super heavy in the past couple years makes sense um and just you know 
being busy with work and stuff, I never got around to it. But I'm kind of kicking myself now because I'm like, <laughs> I literally moved, you know, four hours away from the hub of bourbon and, and whiskey and, and never got a chance to visit any of the places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always still time for sure. There is. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so the second pour, Talnua, that we've got here is their 2023 Old Saints Keep release. Uh, as I kind of mentioned to you earlier and people who have listened to the show or read any of the reviews before, Talnua releases this every single year. Um, in my humble opinion, every single year it gets better. They just keep putting out a phenomenal product. The Old Saints Keep is uh, 100% uh, single pot still whiskey, so 50% malted, 50% all malted barley. I don't actually know off the top of my head and I don't have the bottle in front of me if it's got the age statement on it but this one is Madeira and Cognac cask finished okay it's got a super nice nose I like that nose better than the first one yeah the the Madeira kind of comes through I feel on the nose you get almost a kind of white dry fruit floral kind of note to it yeah it's very like uh almost buttery on the nose super rich and what's the proof on that uh they bottled this one at 100 proof yeah and that drinks really smooth for 100 proof it's uh, it's a beautiful beautiful bottle uh, i really like it's got a little bit more kind of complexity to it than i think the bourbon cask one does as well because uh, there's some almost spicy notes in there yes and then but also a lot of kind of sweet and again that dry fruit floral note to it yeah, this one is this one is very special, man. This is a great pour. Definitely different from bourbon, but it's got and that's the thing about, you know, I guess single grain uh, alcohols is like you know, bourbon's usually made up of uh, you know, uh, was it 50, 51% corn at least? Yep, 51 corn. Uh, wheat usually and then you have these single pot stills. And I think Stranahan's is Stranahan's is, is, is single malt. Single malt, right? Yep. So that's gonna all be barley, right? Yeah, all malted barley in there. That's where you get that maltiness from. But it is. It is really fun to get more of the single grain type of whiskeys just in general. Because I and I am a huge bourbon fan. I mean, I named my site Mile High Bourbon and Rye, so you gotta think I at least somewhat enjoy it, but I've really found that the single grain whiskeys kind of, it's fun seeing what the grain itself is capable of because when you have them all combined, the flavors are excellent and then you have the wood as well. And the wood, you know, still comes through on the single grain type of stuff, but you get, you know, you get to kind of see more what the grain itself is capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I guess with bourbon, yeah, you get more of that, uh, like I said, like the mixture of grains and, and the flavors like that. And how long is this aged? Again, I didn't see an age statement no on statement? it. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's uh, see if I can get an age statement on this real quick. But yeah, my point was, I guess just with, with bourbon, and I may just be saying this, I don't know how long this is <laughs> aged for, but you know, most of your bourbon's gonna be aged anywhere from you know six to 15 years typically. And I think that age really plays a, a huge role in the complexity and kind of melding those flavors together from all the separate grains. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so minimum three years is the statement on the bottle. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's plenty of time. Yep. And 
I, another thing that I think kind of changes the the Colorado whiskey is the altitude that it's aged at. I do think that that has a big effect on how it ages in the barrel. Um, Colorado rums, for instance, are wildly different than uh, Caribbean rums. And, I mean, it makes sense. You're not in the Caribbean. It's not as humid. It's not as hot. But I think that, that the fluctuation in temperature really kind of encourages some more interaction while it's in the barrel and changes a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, especially even recently, uh, Colorado has gotten some crazy temperature changes Yep. just in the past couple weeks. Oh, yeah, we went from flood season a week ago today to 93 degrees outside. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's the state. I mean, it it's definitely true what they say. If you don't like the weather, wait an hour and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, that's got to play a huge role in, in, in how it's aged. Um, but, yeah, and I think, you know, with Kentucky bourbon, it's humidity is a big thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, aging it in those barrels in the, in the humid summers that it goes through. Not so much here. Um, I was looking at my phone today, and I was it kind of blew me blew my mind that it's like twenty percent humidity outside. Well, twenty percent <laughs> humidity has been blowing my mind. I'm like, this is it gets up to heat right now after all the rain, and I'm sitting there like instantly sweating. I feel sticky and like it's you know because I'm just used to all the dry heat from Colorado for my whole life. So yeah, it is weird the drastic change that you know you're saying oh wow it's so dry it's so low and i'm like man that's that's too much <laughs> yeah it, it yeah it's crazy man because i mean down there you're you're looking at at least 60 70 percent year round oh yeah um which also plays a, a role in the aging process but yeah there's such a you know high fluctuation here with weather because i mean you know not only do you have your pretty hot summers here then you have really cold winters yep so it's it's interesting to think that you know that that there's more of a temperature fluctuation than here than there would be down south. Yep, absolutely. You go from really cold to really hot pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot different, and I, again, I think that's one of the reasons why Colorado's sort of making a name for itself. I think the yeah. the climate, helping age, all of these things all factor into that. Um. So yeah, I mean that's. Awesome, really, to have you on. Um, I th- really appreciate you coming out up to Talnua, sitting down with me, having a drink. Uh, hopefully, we can get you trying some more Colorado whiskeys and get them a little higher on your radar here. Because again, there's plenty, plenty to choose from. So check out check out more of those as you can. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and it's it's been so fun uh, hunting around the liquor stores here because you know back in Alabama, it's all regulated by the state. Yeah, you're not gonna see you don't even see Buffalo Trace on the shelves yep. down there. So it's been really fun kind of exploring the scene here, uh, getting to go to a couple different distilleries. Uh, the liquor stores here are great, far better than any liquor stores we have down south. So that's been super fun just hunting around, uh, adding to my collection, trying to make up for that pappy that I lost. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to checking out all the distilleries here. I, I really had no idea how... Um, how big it was, how big the scene was in the state. It's it's big and it's growing all the time. So uh, if you want to, I know, so it was just this past weekend was the SoCo Stills Fest down in Colorado Springs. Uh, each year in October, there's the Rocky Mountain Craft Spirits Festival. In February or March, there's the Whiskey Warm-Up, which is usually in Estes Park. Uh, and last year was the first year they did Stills in the City during the... Taste of Colorado event. 
And so if you want some opportunities to try multiple Colorado whiskeys all at the same time, those are all great events. So uh, you and everybody else who listens to this, keep an eye out for those because they are they're awesome to go to. And, I mean, one of the best things I think about Colorado whiskey, and I feel like I probably say this on every single podcast, but it's something that I like to really kind of emphasize, is the people. It's always the people who make this such a cool experience for me. For sure. Yeah, it's it's it, it really does all come down to the people. Even with, you know, the big name distilleries that we have in, in the South and around Kentucky, like Buffalo Trace and... Uh, Heaven Hill and all those, it, you know, you read into it and it all does go back to the heritage, the people, the families that built the places. Um, so I think, you know, with anything great, it's going to come down to the people. I totally agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Evan, thank you again so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, well, cheers to a lot more whiskeys to sample in the future and good luck getting yourself a replacement Van Winkle bottle. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cheers to good whiskey and cheers to uh, many more Nuggets wins. Oh, yes. That and let's go all the Denver sports teams. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Mile High Bourbon and Rye, a Colorado craft podcast. Special thank you again to Evan for joining me for this episode to talk Colorado sports and whiskey. And a huge thank you to Talnua Distilling for hosting us for this episode. The spirits, as always, were wonderful, and if you would like to come up and try them for yourself, I have linked Talnua's website in the show notes below. So click that, check them out, and come have yourself a dram of the ram. If you are enjoying the show, please consider giving us a rating or a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. You can also share us with whiskey lovers throughout your life, friends, family, anybody who enjoys Colorado or Colorado craft beverages. Please go ahead and share this podcast with them. It really helps us out when you do that. If you would like to support the show directly, you can purchase merchandise off the website at milehighbourbon.com shop, or you can donate directly to the website to help keep the servers running. The link for the PayPal is in the show notes as well. You can follow us on social media. Find us by searching Mile High Bourbon and Rye on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, check out our website, milehighbourbon.com. I'd like to add a new little piece here, a Mile High shout-out. For this shout-out, I would like to mention a local Colorado-owned business or two and just feature them, help people discover all of the awesome things that there is to be found in the state of Colorado. If you know of a business that you would like to have shouted out during this part of the episode, please shoot us a message on social media, or you can send us an email through the contact us form on the website or to reviews at milehighbourbon.com. This week I have two shout outs from businesses that I have personally tasted their food. The first one is Kickin' Ass Mountain Pizza, Currently, their trailer and wood-fired pizza oven is in the town of Fairplay. Head on up into the mountains, visit South Park, Colorado, and get yourself some fantastic mountain pizza. The other business I would like to give a shout-out to is A Kitchen Mouse. They were at Talnua's St. Patrick's Day event. She had fantastic baked goods and I would highly recommend checking them out. I have linked to their socials in the show notes.
Now, I always like to finish each episode on a dad joke, and this is one of my favorite jokes of all time. A man walks into a bar, says ouch. As always, thank you again to Roma Ransom for providing the intro and outro music for a Colorado Craft podcast, and I look forward to talking with you all again. Cheers! (laughs) 